Good morning, and welcome to Uncle Paul's Jazz Closet. This is your host, Cindy McGurl. This is music dedicated to the legacy of jazz drummer Paul Modian. I would like to thank my sponsor, The Leather Bench in Camden on Main Street. If you have questions or comments for the show, you can post on the Facebook page or give me a call in the studio at 207-593-0013. I think all jazz fans were very sad last week when we heard that Charlie Hayden had passed away. Um, I've done... The last month I've played quite a bit of his music and I've dedicated a couple of shows to him. Um, but I'm going to continue on in that theme um, with the uh, Keith Jarrett's American Quartet, which um, is where Paul and Charlie first played together. And I'm going to start you off with a reading. I have a lot of readings today. I hope that's okay. I think you'll like them. Um, this is from Paul's autobiography, and it's about the first time he met Keith Jarrett. I think it's the mid to late 60s. That doesn't have an exact date. A new gig, another long-lasting gig. The club was called The Open End, and it was located on First Avenue at 77th Street. The place was a hangout for pimps and prostitutes, professional football players, dope dealers, and gangsters. I saw Joe Namath and some of the New York Jets football team there on some nights. Howard Cosell, the sports broadcaster, came by. Junkies and assorted neighborhood freaks also came by. There were fights, and one night, during a fight, someone went crashing through the big plate glass window onto the sidewalk. The open end wasn't really a jazz club, but we could play what we wanted. The gig lasted for nine months, and the music was a little more to my liking. It was a whole lot better than the gigs I'd been involved in lately. Teddy Kotick was the bass player, and Wolfgang Nittel, newly arrived from Austria, played piano. But the one drawback was, every Saturday night, the club owner would get up on the bandstand and play Night Train on his alto saxophone. It was the only song he knew, and it was terrible. But it was part of the job. I stuck it out. It was Monday, my usual off night. I had been working a lot lately, and I was happy to have the day off. I was looking forward to a day of relaxation. It wasn't to be. I got a phone call from Tony Scott. Hey, Paul, I got a gig for you tonight. I could pay you $15. I didn't want to do it, but sometimes it's not possible to say no to Tony Scott. He picked me up that night in a cab, and we headed downtown to a club called The Dom on East 8th Street. There would be drums there, I wouldn't have to bring mine, and that made it a little easier. When we walked into the club, I heard the piano play, player soloing on The Song Is You. I recognized the bass player. It was Henry Grimes. Tony, who's the piano player? He's good. I loved what I was hearing. That's Keith Jarrett. He's 20 years old, and I discovered him, Tony said. I played with Keith that night, and we hit it off right away. We fit together like two pieces of a puzzle. It was the beginning of a long and beautiful musical relationship. The first rehearsal I had with Keith was at his place on East 11th Street. He played on his small Baldwin acoustic piano, which he liked a lot. Charlie Hayden played bass. I'd met him before, but we'd never played together. 
we played through some music and it felt and sounded good. So there you have it. The infamous Tony Scott introduced them. Um, I'm going to start you off with a great uh, dancing tune, I think. So put your dancing shoes on. This is Take Me Back from Expectations.
That was the tune Take Me Back, a Keith Jarrett composition. Uh, there was two versions there. The one we just heard was from the NDR Jazz Workshop recorded in Hamburg, Germany in 1972. And that is Keith Jarrett on piano and flute, Charlie Hayden on bass, and Paul Modian on drums. I don't think there was any flute on that tune, actually. And the first song we heard was also Take Me Back from Expectations, also uh, recorded in 1972 on Columbia Records. Keith Jarrett on piano, tambourine, soprano saxophone, uh, Sam Brown with a great guitar there, Charlie Hayden with great bass, Paul Modian on drums, and Irto Morera, I don't know if I pronounced that right, on percussion. So, um, the Take Me Back from the NDR Jazz Workshop was an album I just sort of discovered. I didn't really notice it before in Paul's collection. I think it's pretty rare. I believe it was a promotional pressing, and there aren't really that many of them. But I discovered um, on YouTube that there's actually a great video um, of of that recording, or of that whole workshop. There's more music than on the record. And I'll put a link on the Jazz Closet page. So I've got another reading. This um, is about a tour that Paul went on in 1972. George Avakian, um, who also produced a lot of these Keith Jarrett albums, drove us to the airport on May 22nd. I was again lucky to have Susan travel with me, Um, Susan is Paul's uh, girlfriend, and be with me for the upcoming four-week tour in Europe with Keith Jarrett. It was to be the Keith Jarrett trio, no Dewey Redmond for this tour. Keith and his wife Margot and their newborn son Gabe and Charlie Hayden and his wife Ellen and their very young son Joshua and myself with Susan. First stop, Milan, Italy, for a one-week gig at the club Jazz Power, located at the Piazza del Doma. There was a, this was a great gig. Music was fresh, new. The club was full to overflowing every night. Our hotel was within walking distance from the club. My first time in Milano. Great. It was a happy time in my life. My relationship with Susan couldn't have been better, and the Keith Jarrett trio and the music we were playing was the best. We left for Munich on June 1st, traveling express train, which took about six hours. Munich was to be home base. We shared an apartment during this time. Susan, Margot, and Ellen stayed at the apartment when they were unable to accompany us to the different concerts. The apartment was in the building near Dachau. Some of us were tempted to go there and see what it was like, but we never did. The apartment belonged to the sister of Hans Wendel, who was working for ECM Records at that time and arranged for everyone to stay there while his sister and family were away. June 9th, Margot went back to New York and Keith, Charlie, and I flew to Paris for a concert at ORTF, the radio and TV station. George Avakian, Keith's manager, was also in Paris. I felt strange that night. Something was wrong. People were avoiding me. I wondered what was happening. I finally found out somehow before we played that my mother had died and no one wanted to tell me the bad news, thinking I would be too depressed and unable to perform. Not true. I played and the concert went very well. Of course I was distressed. 
that I couldn't be with my family at such a time, but there wasn't much I could do about it. Monday, June 12. We played a concert in Munich this day, and it was the day of the funeral for my mother in Providence. I felt horrible that I couldn't be there. I had neglected my family recently. I hadn't seen my mother for a few years, and now I wouldn't see her at all. June 14th. A radio and TV concert at the Hamburg radio station. I never saw this video, but have heard that it is one of the best music videos around. We stayed in Hamburg an extra day and took the train to Berlin the next day, a six-hour train trip through East Germany for the first time, which was strange and historic. Our concert was outdoors at the museum. The wind was blowing my cymbals around, and I didn't like it. I've always hated outdoor concerts and still do. Despite it all, the music was good. This trio was always good. I can't remember a bad or just mediocre concert. I love the creative, spontaneous endings we played. The tour ended in Berlin. I flew back to New York and Susan went on to London to work on the acupuncture film. I went on to Rhode Island to visit with family. I had missed the funeral but wanted to be there to share the grief and give what comfort I could.
That was from the NDR Jazz Workshop, 1972 in Hamburg, Germany. Um, the what we just heard was first Rainbow, a Margot Jarrett tune, and then it just kind of flowed right into the second tune, which I believe is everything that lives laments because um, although it is attributed on the album as Peace for Ernest, um, Paul had crossed that out and he wrote Lament. So um, I think he would know which song it was, so I think that's right. And at the top of that set, we heard The Magician and You from 1972's Expectations, and that was with Keith Jarrett on piano, Sam Brown on guitar, Charlie Hayden on bass, Paul Modian on drums, and Irto Morira on congas. And the NDR Jazz Workshop is Keith, Charlie Hayden, and Paul. And I have got another short reading. Keith Jarrett signed a contract with Columbia Records, and we recorded the album Expectations. It was the only record Keith did for Columbia. There were a dozen string players on the date, and I had no drum part to play on one particular piece, so I was talked into conducting the strings. My first time as a conductor. I learned how difficult conducting can be. I managed to get through it without hurting myself or anyone else. Percussionist Erto Morera was on the date along with Dewey and Charlie and a wonderful guitarist, Sam Brown. And, um, you know, Sam Brown went on to record on a couple of Paul's first albums. But here is that um, tune without drums with Paul conducting the strings, and it's called There is a Road, God's River, and it's a Keith Jarrett composition.
There is a Road, God's River, a composition by Keith Jarrett from 1972's Expectations. Keith Jarrett on piano, Sam Brown on guitar, Charlie Hayden on bass, and a string section, which is not uh, detailed, and Paul Modian was conducting the strings on that. Um, I've got one more reading for this hour. It's kind of a lot of readings. Tell me if it's too much. Um, This is from 1969. I left for Paris on November 12 with my new friend Susan, my first European tour and the first European tour for the Keith Jarrett Trio. Keith was already in Paris playing at the club Le Camelion, and the drummer Aldo Romano and the bass player J.F. Jenny Clark. They sounded good that night of November 14th. Susan and I were in the club and heard their set. Keith finished his gig at 2 a.m., and we left for Stockholm that night in a Volkswagen bus with Keith driving. The trio was now Keith, myself, and bassist Gus Nemeth. In the bus was Keith, his wife Margot, Gus, me, and Susan. We made some stops along the way, staying at hotels overnight. Arriving in Stockholm on November 17th, we played for a radio show the next day, then drove to Gotborg for a two-day gig at Jet, the Jazz Club Art Dur, a tiny place with an overflow crowd. It was packed. It was so crowded it was difficult to breathe. Everywhere we played, we were well-received with large and enthusiastic audiences. All in all, it was about a five-week tour of Norway, Sweden, and Belgium, an incredible, fascinating tour. Susan and I had some time occasionally to visit museums on our days off and experienced, for the first time, different kinds of food, witnessed what it was like to stay at Scandinavian hotels with their big down-filled comforters and free breakfast. I was making $100 a week and had to pay for most hotels and meals. And we're going to go to the top of the set with um, the last song from the NDR album, and this is Life Dance.
Welcome back to Uncle Paul's Jazz Closet. I want to thank my sponsor, The Leather Bench in Camden on Main Street. The number in the studio here is 207-593-0013. And you can call with questions or comments during music if you like. Um, I have another reading for you from Paul's autobiography. It's titled The Keith Jarrett Quartet. Keith Jarrett called rehearsals for the new band. We were now a quartet with the addition of Dewey Redman on saxophone, Charlie Hayden again on bass. After a few rehearsals, we opened at Slugs on the Lower East Side in late February of 1972. Trumpeter Lee Morgan had been shot and killed in the club just two days earlier. By his wife, the bartender told me, the vibe in the club was dark and depressing on our opening night. I liked the new quartet. I hoped it would last. I enjoyed playing with a horn in addition to the piano, and Dewey was an original and great and strong player. We played slugs for one week. I liked the club. I liked the feeling in the club and the atmosphere, and didn't think much more about the Lee Morgan killing. Most nights we played three sets and finished around 3.30 in the morning. The quartet had an original sound. It was Keith's music. It was energetic, new, and different, with lots of spontaneity and improvisation. I loved the music. It was exciting. The next week, after a concert at Princeton University, I was packing up my drums when one of the students approached me. Wow, that was great, she said. I loved the music. It was the first time in my life that I heard acoustic music. Um, next, I'm going to play Toll Road from the Judgment LP.
That was live in Ulrichburg, Austria, on November 2nd, 1986. Dewey Redman on tenor saxophone, Charlie Hayden on bass, Mick Goodrick on guitar, and Paul Modian on drums. Um, I believe that is unreleased. Um, it doesn't seem like a super professional recording, but I could be wrong. I don't know what the song titles are. They weren't noted, and uh, but, you know, somebody who's more familiar with the music, maybe does. So let me know if you know what the titles are. I'm going to play a few songs from... I have two CDs of that concert. Um, I thought people would be interested to hear... Um, I have a copy of the tour, you know, the tour details. And I'll read a little bit from that. 
and it's Saudatis, I guess that's who put the tour together, Tourneen, Thomas Stosand in Austria, and it says Hayden, Redmond, Goodrick, Modium, European Tour, Autumn 1986, and uh, this is kind of the finances and the dates. It's a pretty, uh, fairly grueling tour here. Um, we They arrive on 1018 in Holland, and and then they start playing, and they play for... seven days in a row, going from Holland to Paris, to Brussels, to Nancy, France, to Leverkusen in Germany, and to Berlin, Germany. Then they actually get a couple of days off in Berlin, and then they start in again playing in Oslo, Stockholm, Finland, and um, the Austria, which was on November 2nd, which is the recording I have, and then Yugoslavia, Germany, two places in Germany, Switzerland, and two places in Switzerland, um, and then to Italy. So I thought people might be interested in the details here. So a concert, they are play, paid uh, $3,000, free hotel, cash payment less 10% commission equals $300 minus money for Wilhelm Huber's. Please ask for receipt. Due to, in Paris, France, due to general strike in France this day, club couldn't offer guarantee anymore. You'll get 50% of door, less 11% tax. Pay hotel. And then again in Paris at a different club, and this will also be recorded for the radio, $1,200. You'll get 50% of door, but a minimum of $1,200, minus money paid in French francs, less 11% tax, whatever would be more. Radio pays 3600 FF, but this money will be transferred to us in about two months. Um, so there's a few details of the concert. And next I'm going to play another song from The Judgment. Thank you. 
was fun, wasn't it? You just heard um, a not noted name of a tune. Um, if anyone knows what it is, let me know. But it was recorded live in Ulrichburg, Austria on November 2nd, 1986 with a fantastic uh, Charlie Hayden bass solo at the beginning, then a Paul Modian drum solo, and then they're joined in at the very end uh, with, by Dewey Redman on tenor saxophone and Mick Goodrick on guitar. And before that, we heard from the 1975 The Judgment LP, and that was Prejudgment Atmosphere, a composition by Keith Jarrett, and that was a drum solo by Paul Modian. That was out in 1975. And I want to remind you that you are listening to Uncle Paul's Jazz Closet on Community Radio, WRFR, Low Power, Rockland, Maine, 93.3 FM, and streaming online at wrfr.org. I have the story I promised you about uh, Dewey Redman and Charlie Hayden in Maine. Here we go. It's uh, titled The Keith Jarrett Quartet, an American Tour. We were on our way to Colby College in Waterville, Maine. The Keith Jarrett Quartet was to play opposite the Gary Burton Quartet. Keith and I were in one car, and Dewey and Charlie were in another car. We were on the highway and very near to Colby College. A car passed us, going the opposite way. Wasn't that Dewey and Charlie? Yeah, looked like them. They're going in the opposite direction. They passed right by us. I hope they're not lost. We have to play soon. Keith and I arrived at the school. No Dewey, no Charlie. Gary, would you mind playing first? Dewey and Charlie didn't get here yet. The Gary Burton Quartet played their set. It was time for us to go on, and since Dewey and Charlie still weren't there, Keith played a solo set. Finally, Dewey and Charlie did show up. Where were you guys? Sorry, man, we passed by a lobster place and thought Maine lobster would taste real good. We may never get another chance, so we stopped and had some lobster. I thought it was funny. Keith didn't. So maybe you were at that concert at Colby. If you were, uh, why don't you make a post about it on the uh, Uncle Paul's Jazz Closet Facebook page. So next I'm going to play My Back Pages, the opening tune of from Somewhere Before, which was recorded live at Shelley's Manhole in 1968.
that was live at Shelley's Manhole somewhere before. That's the tune My Back Pages by Keith Jarrett. And that is on the 1968 Atlantic Jazz LP with Keith Jarrett on piano, Charlie Hayden on bass, and Paul Modian on drums. Um, if you have questions, comments, or suggestions, you can check out jazzcloset.blogspot.com. Um, I want to remind you that there is no show next week, and um, the next show will be August 1st. And I'm going to read another quote from one of Paul's journals, and then uh, we'll take us to the top of the hour with uh, one more tune from the live at Ulrichburg, Austria recording. I've always liked the idea of being in or of the underground, or not really popularly famous, because then critics and peoples can't put you down too much. When the monkey grabs hold of your reputation, he don't want to let go. Look at what happened to Keith. He started to play in public, and as usual, peoples built him up when he was relatively unknown, and then when he got some fame, people really latched onto his personal ways, idiosyncrasies, and put him down. No one cared for his personal ways when he was unknown. He could have said anything over the microphone or made weird gestures. No one would care too much or say anything bad about it. In fact, they would probably encourage him. Maybe the thing about notoriety is that once you become really well-known, then the public, critics, etc., feel that they have rights or need to know about your, quote, person. It seems they look for the worst things about a person.
Thank mm-hmm. you.